Welcome, you have arrived. My name is Kevin Tolliver Lyons, and I am the host of the Welcome to the Good Life Podcasts. This is the South Florida Real Estate Edition. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome, guys. It is Monday, September 4th, and uh, we're just going to get into some of uh, the real estate news and what's going on out there. And uh, I don't know if you heard about it, but they came out with something called the Pandora Papers, which is um, a mass of almost 13 million uh, offshore shell company documents that were obtained by an international consortium of investigative journalists. Now, the Miami Herald has reported that um, many celebrities and regular people and everybody's getting caught up in this leak, apparently. And in this leak, they found that Julio Iglesias has used shell companies to amass a real estate portfolio. You know, uh, people have been doing this for (laughs) hundreds of years, probably. And it says here, um, now I'm getting all this information from The Real Deal, which is uh, basically uh, real estate news all over the country. And uh, this basically says that he crafted his real estate portfolio using shell companies, including five properties on Indian Creek Island and in the nearby town of Surfside, as well as a property in Homestead. Now, it says that the purchase of these properties was revealed in these Pandora papers. Now, through his ownership of the Indian Creek properties, which has already been reported, um, his other real estate acquisitions had not been made public until now. So it says that he used the offshore services provider called Trident Trust to create these shell companies in the British Virgin Islands. So, you know, you can probably make these shell companies, but there's tax ramifications. You can't. Uh, elude tax authorities you know if anything is certain death and taxes so now these properties that were identified in report are worth up to 120 million dollars now he had began assembling this land in indian creek all the way back in 1978 so he listed four of the properties in 2017 for 150 million but sold one last year for 30 to uh, apparently a prominent plastic surgeon. Now, he also sold a two-acre property in Homestead earlier this year for 900000 So now each of these properties that were identified by the Miami Herald is owned by a different company. So that means him and his family likely own more than what has actually been revealed. So, you know, if something crops up in the paper, you know, you're only reading about 10% of what is actually happening. Now, he has been accused of not paying taxes in his home country of Spain, and his second wife lists their residence in the Dominican Republic. Now, his um, second wife, who is a former Dutch model, has listed, her name is listed on a number of these property records. And his real estate lawyer is named in these Pandora papers 468 times between 2009 and 2015. So, you know, that's going to raise some eyebrows and 
people are going to wonder what's going on there. Now, his name is Russell L. King, who is uh, Iglesias' real estate lawyer. Now, he's also linked to the creation of a British Virgin Islands company that was owned by a Venezuelan businessman who had ties to the Venezuelan president. Yeah. Now, this Venezuelan businessman left Miami where he lived in the Cocoa Plum community of Coral Gables. And he left Miami in 2017 to go back to Venezuela before the United States announced charges against him here in South Florida. So, you know, as they say, time will reveal all things and we will be checking back on Mr. Julio Iglesias on a later episode to see what has gone down. Now, in other news, which is, you know, a little bit more uh, happy, happy news. Uh, if anybody knows HGTV, the Property Brothers, Drew and Jonathan Scott, they have joined a Canadian iBuyer uh, company at, that has raised $100 million in funding in September of 2020. So now this company, which is called Properly, is a real estate tech company based in Toronto, and they're partnering with Drew and Jonathan Scott, which was released in a press, re- a press release on Monday. Now, I don't know if you're aware, but the Scott brothers who are all over HGTV because my wife watches HGTV all the time. We take off CNN. We just watch HGTV. HGTV. So they have a fixer-upper show called Property Brothers that started in 2011. And they go around and, you know, people mess up their house. They come by and say, well, you know, you did this. Well, we cook it up like this. So as they say here um, in Inman, I'm actually looking at uh, Inman.com. It said they've been in real estate since they were 18 and seen all the headaches. And they think that, you know, there's a better way for people to buy and sell. So they think that this real estate tech company, this is what's going to help people buy and sell better. I personally think that there's no technology ever that's going to replace an actual real estate agent. That's the thing. There's all these iBuyer programs. There's all this technology out there. But there's still a million real estate agents in Florida alone. So I don't think they'll ever get rid of us. But, you know, it's interesting to see all these celebrities and all these people uh, putting their money into these iBuyer programs. So it said a year ago, properly announced that it raised $100 million in funding from sponsors like Silicon Valley Bank and i80 Group for a product that brings the iBuyer model to Canada. So now this startup puts clients' properties on the market with a local agent. See? There you go. And if that home does not sell within 90 days, properly the company itself buys the home for a prearranged price. So once again, with all of this technology and I buyer this and I buyer that, what did it say? It said, and I quote, the startup puts clients' properties on the market with a local agent. Local agent, local agent, local agent, people. You need a local agent that knows the area, that knows the ins and outs, that knows the neighbors, that knows the people, that knows the politics, that knows everything that's going on if you're going to move there. So no matter how much you have an iBuyer program, you're going to have a local agent. So, and there's another, uh, apparently another program out there called Knock. And what they said was, similar to Knock, Properly's model leverages a seller's home equity to use on a new home by offering them a certified backup offer as essentially proof of funds for finance 
qualification on a new home. So let me read that again. Properly model leverages a seller's home equity to use on the new home by offering them a certified backup offer as essentially proof of funds for financing qualification on a new home. Now that offer is based on a home value that's derived through a proprietary market analysis that includes more than 200,000 sold homes and nearby comps. Once again, it doesn't matter what price you come up with, it has to be uh, relative to the comps in the area. So you could have done 200,000 sold homes and nearby comps, but what's the price of these homes at that particular time? Because if you did this in, I don't know, let's just March of 2020, and you're not going to do another review until March of 2021, it don't matter how many comps you got. If the comps aren't right right now, based on what's going on right now, that prearranged price, I don't think they're going to go for it. So this is another thing that you have to figure out if it's going to work or not. So that's what these property brothers are doing. And apparently they are investors in this company as well. So just like all these other iBuyer programs, we'll figure out, we'll see what happens. There were a couple of, uh, of these Zillow iBuyer things in my neighborhood. And they've been sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. So we'll see if that actually is a thing. So we're going to take a two second break and we're going to get back into this real estate news. Once again, this is welcome to the Good Life Podcast Network. This is the South Florida Real Estate Edition and I'm your host, Kevin Tolliver Lyons, better known as Sir Kevinson. All right, we'll be back. All right, guys, this one should be fun because this is um, an Inman deep dive into Caldwell Banker, which I am an employee and affiliate of. Um, so this week we have Caldwell Banker's Gen Blue event which is diversity, recruiting, competition, and more, which are big topics uh, for this event in New York this week. Now, all week, Inman is uh, taking a deep dive into Caldwell Banker, talking to executives, strategic moves, the whole Gen Blue Experience event, which is taking place virtually and in New York this week. <clears throat> so three years ago, Caldwell Banker made a hard pivot. And after decades with the same logo, they decided to go on a total rebranding effort, which was pretty major. I started with them, I think, just after the rebrand happened. And it actually, no, it initially said started in 2018, but it outlined in detail to the public in 2019 and then dropped in you know 2020. Uh, it's a new logo, a new philosophical shift that would see the company position itself as the North Star. So, you know, you ever get lost, they tell you the North Star. So as a marketing point, you know, you want a home, look to the North Star, AKA Coldwell Banker, like a beacon of sorts uh, for the housing business. 
So now a couple years later, these rebranding efforts are almost complete. So it's taken them since 2018 and we're in almost 2022 and the rebrand isn't totally complete yet. I don't know what takes that long to do, but I'm sure there's a massive overhaul that needs to be done when you're rebranding. So these things take a couple years, they take time, but as long as it's done the right way, which Caldwell Banker is doing, everything will go smooth. It says that here that the episode stands out for capturing a moment in real estate that was and continues to be all about change. The fact that the new Caldwell Banker logo went from a horizontal horizontal rectangle to a more square orientation was no coincidence. It was designed to pop better on apps and digital services and social media. And as you know, real estate has become a lot more digital as soon as Instagram started taking off. Now you can really, you know, have fun with your, your marketing because you can use, you know, pictures, graphics. And as a person with a degree in design, graphic design and web design, for me, that stuff is fun. I love branding, love to do branding and marketing and, you know, getting behind an idea and having this logo or this digital representation of what something means to somebody else. That's always fascinating to me. And that colors and fonts and that whole thing is so much fun. So that's what is going on with uh, Coldwell Banker. And uh, as like we said, real estate has become more digital as well as, well as more diverse. It's more competitive. Um, there's more investor cash and the real estate market in general is just bigger now. Now in that context, Caldwell Banker this week is holding its latest Gen Blue Experience event, which is taking place in person in New York City as well as virtually due to our ongoing uh, COVID pandemic. Uh, we won't even get into that. It's been said over and over. We know what we got to do. Let's keep it moving. So Inman will be attending as many virtual sessions as possible, watching to see where Coldwell Banker is going and how the industry might follow. So as Inman does a deep dive into Coldwell Banker, they'll be going to the Gen Blue event and reporting back and saying uh, how this event was for them. Now, how will Coldwell Banker continue to attract and retain agents? It says one of the biggest stories in real estate over the past several years has been recruiting and retention. What was once a fairly ho-hum part of running a real estate business has exploded into an all-out battle for top talent, including teams. So as a real estate agent that keeps up with the industry, you know, you always see this million-dollar team go from this, this brokerage to that brokerage or this millionaire, this million-dollar real estate agent going from this place to that place. Everybody's always moving for whatever reason. Everybody has their own reasons. I've moved from a few brokerages until I found something that fit. And, you know, this is what this is what the industry is about. Everybody's moving. So now these recruiting battles are fueling major industry rivalries and spawning numerous lawsuits. So out of these lawsuits, you know, you stole my team, you took my person, this, that, and other thing. It can get messy. But the Caldwell Banker parent company, Realogy, has been involved in some of these cases. And as the Caldwell Banker president and CEO, M. Ryan Gorman, has called out Compass specifically in the past. But overall, Caldwell Banker has probably been publicly dragged into the trenches of recruiting wars to a lesser degree than some other brands. 
In that light, it'll be interesting to see how the company frames the issue during several sessions of this GenBlue experience. It goes on to say, how urgent, for example, does Caldwell Banker think this issue is? Who does the company see as its main competitors? And what tactics are going to be the most effective for winning agents over? So, as Inman does a deep dive into the great brokerage that is Caldwell Banker, all these questions get answered at this GenBlue event. Now, the other question it asks is how does Caldwell Banker envision its relationship with its rivals? It states this question is related to recruiting and retention, but broader. The idea here is that Caldwell Banker is facing competition from multiple sides at this point. Other brokerages are offering different models related to compensation and expansion, for example. And how it responds will offer insights into what it thinks the future of real estate will look like. Now, as an agent for Caldwell Banker, I would happen to think that we are second to none simply because of what we can offer the client. Our concierge package is second to none. I mean, we have, we can have your property on TV shows. We have it all over the place. So I think as a Caldwell Banker agent, we offer things that nobody else can offer. So this would separates us from, you know, all these other brokerages. You know, everybody states we have this, we have that, we got this, we got that. But we've had it for a while and we've been doing it for some time. Now, uh, at least two sessions of the GenBlue experience will dive into what rival companies are doing. Now, the companies that get included in these sessions will say a lot about what Coldwell Banker thinks is working in the industry and what models it sees eventually fizzling out, which, you know, might be the iBuyer program, it might be this, it might be that. There's all kind of things being introduced into the real estate world, and some of them work, some of them don't. Throw it on the wall, see if it sticks. Uh, another question to ask is, what role does commercial real estate play in an agent's career? Now, I'm only two, almost three years into my career, and, you know, it hasn't played a role yet. I've had, you know, some slight bites on people wanting commercial property, but nothing has uh, materialized. But it says here that it's no surprise that this year's GenBlue experience includes sessions on commercial real estate, given that Caldwell Banker has long included that sector among its specialties. Yes, we do. It is notable, though, that there are multiple sessions on this topic and that they appear to be aimed at helping the conventional residential agent break into commercial. It says that's interesting given the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and the fact that many office workers are still laboring from their homes, which is to say that commercial real estate is still in the midst of the largest disruption in recent memory. In that context, it will be interesting to see if Caldwell Banker envisions a recovery for commercial real estate. And if so, what that recovery might look like. And will all cities bounce back? Now, will certain types of commercial real estate, say warehouses versus office work, will they see resilience? Will it come back? We don't know. So we've got to figure that out because nobody's in offices. So nobody's going to work in offices. Nobody needs commercial real estate. But these landlords are still charging these companies their rent. Now, these companies are going to have to pay that rent, even though they're not making money from the employees being in the office. So you see the conundrum here. So commercial real estate is taking a hit that residential real estate is not taking because houses are getting bought up left and right, multiple offers on everything. I just had a client tell me that he went to a, a broker, or he went to a, an open house for a house that he was looking at. And within the two hours, there were over 
12 to 15 offers. So you get priced out of these things almost immediately because if you come in with that lower price and it's shooting up 15 times, you know what I mean? It's, it makes it difficult for the consumer to get this house when it's, you know, it's going through all of these uh, different ideations and different price points. So you got to come with your strongest offer or from the bat, your top qualified highest best offer off the bat if you want the property because it will go just like that. So another thing it mentions is how will Coldwell Banker tackle an increased push for diversity in real estate, which is an important question going on uh, in society in general with diversity. Um, it states that diversity has become an increasingly prominent topic in real estate over the last several years, thanks in parts to reports noting that discrimination remains a problem. The issue became even more urgent last year when protests over discriminatory policing swept the United States. The Gen Blue experience includes several sessions focused on diversity, including one that's oriented around training and earning a certification. So apparently now you can get a diversity uh, certification as an agent that states that you've been through some type of diversity training in order to help you understand your clients a little bit better. Everybody comes from different backgrounds and different references and different things have happened to them in their life. And, you know, as a person and an agent, you come together and you try to um, marry yourselves for a minute to get this house work together. So when it comes to diversity training, some people need it. It might help. And I think it's something that uh, is great that Coldwell Banker is pushing. Now, all of these different questions and answers have sessions. So uh, starting tomorrow, and I'll go, th I'll actually go through all of these um, in a minute. Uh, so actually, no, let's go through it now. So let's see here. So Tuesday, October 5th, they'll have the power of recruiting the ultimate insurance policy, which goes from 9 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. Then um, also, this is all this is all Tuesday, October 5th. This is all stuff that's happening tomorrow. Um, they have an agent retention best practice panel from 9 to 9.45, um, a recruiting best practice panel from 10 to 10.45, and a stop recruiting start power prospecting from 10 to 10.45 a.m. Okay, so it said stop recruiting and start power prospecting. Say that a couple times and you break your tongue. So that's from 10 to 10.45 a.m. Uh, the other sessions that they have uh, today, they had uh, competitor intel and how it shapes your growth strategy. And on Wednesday, October 6th, they'll, be, they'll have learning from new competitive models from 8.30 to 9.15. Um, it states that key sessions to pay attention to um, tomorrow from 9 to 9.45, they have top 10 ways to grow a commercial business which is what we were alluding to on the commercial side. And from 10 to 10.45 a.m., they have what is commercial real estate. Um, so they have a lot of these uh, panels in an effort to help agents do their job better, which is all we as agents can ask for. 
Um, so as you've heard, there's a lot of technology flowing throughout the real estate uh, world right now, whether you're an agent, whether you are a broker, whether you're a broker owner, whether you are a consumer, you know, all these things play a major role in what you do. So me as an agent, I'm on most social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, most of those. I've drew the line at Snapchat. I haven't got with Snapchat yet. But the other thing that comes up is TikTok. TikTok is cute. It's all right. But to me, it's the Twitter. It's like the video version of Twitter. Like if you look at Twitter, it's just madness. And just you just sit there forever and it's just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. You can't stop. You can't breathe. It's just information highway. TikTok is the same thing, except it's, a, it's video. So that's just, you can look at TikTok and just lose your mind. So now they have TikTok for real estate, an Inman handbook. So it says, for interested real estate agents looking to expand their marketing reach, it's not too late to find success using TikTok. All it takes is a bit of dedication, creativity, and a willingness to try new things. I'm with you so far. So let's see what else they get into um, with this uh, story here. So it states that TikTok became the social media's darling in the early months of 2020 when it suddenly rose in popularity um, due to, I think, the pandemic. Everybody was home. Nobody had anything to do. So everybody jumped on their phone and said, what's this? Oh, TikTok. We play with this. Next thing you know, TikTok is popular. But then uh, almost faced extinction because President Trump issued an executive order banning the app if it didn't change hands from a Chinese parent company to an American one. Whatever. We're not even going to get into that. But TikTok's still going strong. It has close to a billion monthly active users and its user demographics have expanded significantly since the exception. It's uh, its user demographics have expanded significantly since its inception in the United States, and a number of real estate agents have found ways to incorporate it into their business social media toolkit. So with TikTok, you can be cute and add music and have fun and, you know, that kind of thing. So if you're that type of agent. But if you're an older version, older type agent, that doesn't really do the technology thing, you're more or less to stick with your Facebook and maybe Instagram. I don't see too many older agents uh, using TikTok. Maybe they should. It will separate them from the rest of their uh, older brethren, if you will. Now, for interested agents looking to expand their marketing reach, it's not too late to try it. So, you know, it's like anything else. Be consistent, be relatable and authentic, Use hashtags, keep it short and sweet, uh, use themes, choose your music carefully, follow the all the, the current trends going on TikTok, and link it and repurpose it on other platforms and find your niche. So all of those things you can do with any app. It's not just about TikTok. It's about Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, hell, I mean, that's life. In life, you need to be consistent if you want to be successful. You got to be relatable and authentic if you want to be successful. Um, you got to keep it short and sweet if you want to get your point across. Nobody wants to listen to you talk for an hour. Um, follow trends, regardless if it's a TikTok trend, Instagram trend, a Facebook trend, you know, 
a global trend. Now, following a trend and adopting a trend and being a part of that trend train, that's totally up to you because what happens is somebody uses a cute line or a cute video on TikTok and then people are allowed to adopt adopt that actual thing. So now you see 50,000 people using the same piece of music or the same piece of wording and repurpose it for themselves, but it all came from this one thing. So you don't necessarily have to follow a trend. It's more or less you want to create a trend. You want to be the trend. So think of it like that. So it's like anything else. Now, this one agent, uh, his name, uh, actually, he's a managing director of Avenues Real Estate in New York City. His name is Alexander Zakarin. I'm sure I got that wrong. Zakarin, Zakarin, yeah, well, Alexander, let's call him that. He says that TikTok loves consistency and people are still figuring out the algorithms but knows for sure that TikTok prefers consistency. So now this guy, he's creeping up on 100,000 TikTok followers, and he recommended trying to post something on the app once a day to grow a following and get into a rhythm for using the app. But other agents who use the platform regularly for their real estate business said even consistently posting to the platform once or twice a week is a great way to start. So like I stated before, consistency is everything in social media, in life. If you're not consistent, you know, it's not consistent, it won't work. You can't do something once and think, you know, you're going to develop a brand or a following or anything from that one time. So I even think if you're going to do something once or twice a week, it's probably not going to cut it. Because the way the feeds work is if you put something on Monday, by the time you get it next Monday, you're not even going to find it or know it was even there. So if you start doing things once or twice a day, now you're in these people's feed all the time and you're, you know, you, they see, even if they don't look at the piece, they see your name scroll by or they see your brokerage scroll by or they see something attributed to you scroll by. So you end up being top of mind. They didn't even have to look at the video. They just saw the picture and they figured out it was you. So that's how, you know, social media works sometimes. It's, um, you know, necessarily, doesn't necessarily have to be them watching you but they know you're out there and you exist. So that's the top of mind theory thing happening. So that's how uh, they're talking about TikTok and real estate. So it's always interesting to hear how people want to use social media for real estate. Because, you know, everybody takes their camera and walks through their listings and walks through the house and shows you the sink and shows you the refrigerator and you know, but if we can differentiate ourselves by doing something different, by doing the same thing but different, you know, if that works, it works. Because they're also uh, asking the question on how do you win referrals and leads on Instagram in 2021? As Instagram has become one of the most powerful social media networks in the world, winning followers and getting referrals requires consistency and strategy. For me personally, in terms of engagement and people actually responding back to you, Instagram is hands down the best. I've done things on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere, every platform, and the only one that gets actual engagement when you send the actual message is Instagram. Like you could send a message on Instagram and somebody will actually answer you back. Whereas Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, even email. Even text, like I've done all of those 
and people have responded more on Instagram than anything else. So personally, as an engagement model, uh, in terms of asking somebody for something and them actually responding back, Instagram is winning. But what this states is that, um, let's see here. This summer, a group of friends made a video that went viral. It was very simple. It was six friends. Actually, remember, you know, that TikTok thing where there's the six dudes and they bounce into the beat. And they're shrugging their shoulders, doing that thing. That. Well, that went viral. So what happened was it's six friends slowly swaying back and forth to a beat, smiling. Very simple. But. It racked up millions of views on every social media thing you could follow. And everybody was jumping on our TikTok. So these six dudes did this little dance with this song. And on TikTok, now you could take the video and you could insert yourself into the video with said six guys. And you could do the dance with them. This is how TikTok works. You can get into the piece that they created. So millions and millions of views and... Bunch of people remixed it and put their own image dancing with these guys. Now, there's an agent out in LA called Lloyda Velasquez, and she decided to do it in July. Now, she's a Southern California based EXP realty agent, and she's built her business using social media. I've checked her out a few times, she's fantastic. And her video apparently spread like wildfire when she put her cell phone in and added text. So, what the text was, it said, when your buyer's offer finally gets accepted. So, the way she flipped it was, she turned it into a real estate thing. And it got successful. So, she said it struck a chord. And that video racked up more than 2,000 likes. But, the key part was, it got two buyer leads for her. So, that just highlights the key role that Instagram plays in the lives of real estate agents. And social media platforms seem multiply, multiply, they seemingly multiply endlessly, but Instagram is the gold standard for a lot of agents and brokers, myself included. I have a few podcasts that I do other than this one. And when I want to get a guest on a podcast, the best place for me to go to ask these people to get on the podcast is Instagram. I kid you not. I've sent emails, I've sent texts, I've sent Facebook, I've done Twitter, I've done LinkedIn, I've done I've done it all. The only place people get to me is Instagram. So big up to Instagram. Now, um, also states that to better understand how real estate professionals can harness Instagram, Inman has reached out to agents and executives who have successfully built a following on that platform. Now, their feedback was virtually unanimous. It stated that Instagram can be a vital way for agents to differentiate themselves as well as pick up actual business the way Ms. Velasquez did. But succeeding on the video sharing site isn't a given. Like anything is not a given just because she did it or he did it or they did it. Doesn't necessarily mean you can do it unless you put in what we discussed earlier, the consistency, the time, the effort, you know, being authentic, being yourself, being real. All those things play a part in if you are going to be successful or not with consistency being the top of the list. Because I've gone, how many times I've seen agents, social media, and you go and their last post was 2015. So if, if, I'm a, if I'm trying to buy a house from you and I go and see, you know, 
last thing you did was 2015. You know, in this day and age, people ask questions. Why you ain't been on this site? Why, you know, this, that, and other things. So being on social media can be very important for us as agents. But like we said, it requires working hard and working smart. So now Instagram always rolls out these new features for your feed. And so in the early days, it was just chronologically displayed. But in 2016... It became algorithmic. So now they prioritize content that thinks users would like the most. So the other thing they added was uh, stories and reels. Now stories debuted in 2016 after Snapchat got popular with, with their with their whole Snapchat thing. So Instagram said, well, yeah, we can do that too. But now it's grown into pretty much their primary feature. So the stories part on Instagram, everybody uses. Like most people won't even post on their feed, but they'll put stories up. So that's an interesting thing. You can use that as well. They appear at the top of the app and they disappear after 24 hours. And once you tap a story, it auto plays and it'll load the next story if you don't tap out of the space. So Reels, which is part of Instagram, launched in 2020 and that effectively copies TikTok. So Instagram has figured out how to deal with Snapchat and TikTok all within their own ecosystem. So there are other features on Instagram that have message and content discovery, but feed stories and reels are the most important uh, places for real estate Instagrammers, as they call them, to figure out. So, you know, what would you post? So you could take listings of houses, credit the listing broker, you know, Everybody likes being credited. So if I happen to take a picture of my house for my client and another agent saw it and he had a client that wanted the house, he's going to check that out, show it to his client. Next thing you know, the client's calling me. It's because they want the house they saw on the feet, on the post that I uh, put up. So, you know, technology can be amazing. I've done it a few times where I go into a crib or I go into a house and I basically show the house. And you just got to be yourself at the end of the day. You can't try to be Ryan Serhant or um, Frederick Eklund or any of these other million-dollar agents. Just be yourself. People are either going to like you or they're not going to like you. And guess what? You can't do anything about either one. So as long as you do it for you and you're happy with it, just put the content out. That's why Instagram is there. It's there for you to put the content out. So as an agent, use it. Try it all. You know, maybe Instagram works for me, but it don't work for you. Maybe Facebook works for you. Maybe Twitter works for you. Maybe you have more followings on these platforms. I don't have a ton of followers, by all means, but my engagement rate is high. So if I, you know, message somebody, they tend to get back to me and I go from there, which is more or less how I'm going to get guests on this particular podcast. I'm going to reach out to agents that I know and the ones that I don't. If I don't have any contact info, I go through Instagram. They'll get back to me and they'll be right here on this podcast talking to you. So we're going to take a little bit of break. I'm going to go grab some. uh, What am I going to grab? Maybe I'm going to grab me some coffee and I'll be right back. All right, guys, I had to grab that coffee. 
So, a very interesting thing going down for real estate agents is talk of their commission. Everybody thinks Asian commissions are too high. They can't ever be too high. We do too much work, first of all. But here on Inman on an opinion piece, it states agent commissions are headed for a reckoning. Three things to consider. So let's take a deep dive into this article and discuss where these things can go. So it states that, uh, it says here, whether it's governmental intervention or voluntary innovation, as the Department of Justice and the National Association of Realtors battle shows that change is coming to the industry. Consumers are asking for it. Agents and brokers who choose innovations, innovation over resistance and do right by clients will be the ones who thrive. I will go through the story now. It states, the U.S. Department of Justice shocking withdrawal from the proposed settlement from the National Association of Realtors signals the possibility of a larger sea change in the industry. Understandably, brokers and agents are concerned that a deeper investigation into the National Association of Realtors and the MLS rules and policies might shift the way the industry has done business for decades. Change is unnerving and uncertainty creates fear. The DOJ made its position clear and took a harder line when it stated in its withdrawal, real estate is central to the American economy and consumers pay billions of dollars in real estate commissions every year. We cannot be bound by a settlement that prevents our ability to protect competition in a market that profoundly affects Americans' financial well-being. Unfortunately, the NAR's response to the DOJ's decision to back out of the agreement is to put all the proposed changes on hold. We would ask if those changes are in fact better for consumers, then why put it on hold or why stop? The National Association of Realtors responded to the Department of Justice with this statement. The National Association of Realtors is committed to act in the best interest of buyers and sellers across the country and will continue to update our policies and rules to protect consumers and promote transparency and efficiency in the real estate marketplace. It then goes on to state, then why not voluntarily move forward with the initial changes to the NAR Code of Ethics and MLS policies that promote transparency, competition, and consumer choice? It's not just the DOJ that is demanding change. People are becoming increasingly aware of the shortcomings of this current system, and they are speaking out. According to a recent Harris poll, two out of every three Americans who bought or sold a home in the last five years said the system is unfair. 65% say that traditional agent commissions are undeserved given technological advances. And 60% say that they're missing out on massive equity appreciation because of said commissions. Some of the NAR's proposed changes created more clarity around how much buyer agents are paid and would address some of this negative sentiment from consumers. States that agents have been trained to tell the public that it is free, with quotes, quote unquote free, to hire a buyer's agent. This inaccuracy and the current system have propped up commission rates at twice the rate of other countries. Because um, if you're an agent, you know that the seller pays both sides of the commission. So in essence, that's why they're saying the buyer side is free. Excuse me. In fact, $85 billion were paid in real estate commissions last year alone. 
if commission rates have normalized at half of what they are today, $42.5 billion would be put back into the pockets of home buyers in America. But what about the brokers and the agents? That money comes straight out of our pockets. This could be true whether the industry agrees with it or not. Now, given this, there are three things to consider as brokers and agents grapple with looming changes to the industry. Number one, estates earn the trust of consumers through radical transparency. Now, be honest and forthright about how much you get paid as a buyer's agent. Publicist buyer's agent commissions on your websites. Share the value you are providing for the commissions that you collect. Now, there should be no surprise that installment statements and no closing gift can repair the feeling that some buyers have when they realize that their agent made tens of thousands of dollars without them even knowing. Now, as an agent, you should have this conversation with your client. But I think the thing is that we tell them it's a percentage. We get a percentage of what your home sells for. Whether or not they explain the actual numbers of what that percentage turns into is a whole nother conversation. Uh, another thing it states here, number two, create more value for consumers for the fees that they pay. The process of buying a home can be frustrating. It can be complex. Hold on one second here as I lost my place here. It can be com- frustrating, complex, and confusing, especially in this hyper-competitive market. Like I said before, Houses are having multiple offers. When I mean multiple, I'm talking 5 to 10 to 15 offers on a single property within two hours of an open house. And it'll be gone before the end of that day. So then it says, find ways to add more value for the commission you earn, open minds, as well as opening doors. Brokers and agents who are taking full buyer agent commissions should consider investments in buyer education, new home buyer grants, technology, and other services that create a more seamless experience for consumers. The third thing it states is advocate advocate for uncoupling of buyer and seller commissions. Uncoupling the listing agent and the buyer agent commissions may be unpopular with insiders, but could, could promote the most competition and trust with consumers, which requires both buyers and sellers. Sorry, my random, my phone just randomly went off. Um, Uncoupling listing agent and buyer agent commissions may be unpopular, and this will require both buyers and sellers to hire and pay their own agents directly, which could bring real estate to parity with other industries. It is all interesting how they want to, you know, we can always change uh, the structure of how things work, but at the end of the day, you're still going to need a real estate agent on the buyer side and on the seller side to get the job done. Um, It also says here that the buyer would know exactly how much they're paying for agent representation and the seller won't feel forced to offer a customary 3% buyer agent commission to attract these agents to show their home. So the way it works is the buyer side gets 3%, the seller side gets 3% for a total of 6% of the cost of said property. It also says that lower commissions would impact the number of new agents flooding the market leaving the most experienced, productive, and trusted agents in a better position. Whether it's government intervention or voluntary innovation, change really is coming and consumers are asking for it. It also states here, agents and brokers who choose innovation over resistance will not only survive, but will thrive by earning the trust of the consumers.
Now, it also states that after all, there'll still be forty-five, well, $42.5 billion worth of commissions at stake. But doing right by consumers can also be doing right by the industry. It states it's time for real estate leaders to make history before they become history. It's our choice. And this is coming from the person that wrote it is the CEO of a Utah-based flat fee brokerage. I have been with a brokerage that offered the agents 100% commission. And at the time, I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Oh, wow, I'll get 100% commission. I was a brand new agent, just became an agent, went to this brokerage and 100% commission. But they didn't offer any assistance. They didn't offer any help. You know, they might have had some virtual trainings, things like that. But it didn't have any meat on the bones. But if you're an agent that already has clientele, you already have tons of work, might be able to move over to 100% uh, commission structure and it works. My commission structure at Caldwell Banker works great for me. The numbers are where I need them to be and I get all the assistance and the help that I want. So for that other 25%, I get so much more from Caldwell Banker than I did at, you know, the 100% commission brokerage. So at the end of the day, it's up to you as the agent on how you want to structure your business and what you have on the pipeline and all of that kind of stuff. So it's always interesting. Other thing, uh, we can discuss is as an agent, you have to be online. Like we discussed before with Instagram and TikTok and all these different digital platforms. If you're going to have an online presence, um, is it on point? It doesn't make sense to be online as a real estate agent saying you're a real estate agent and you do real estate things and then you go to your feed and it's just a mess. So it's like, you know, when was the last time you took a good hard look at your online presence or what they call your digital footprint? Now, it's always imperative that you put your best foot forward and optimize all aspects of your online messaging about you and your business. Um, For instance, you have to be consistent across the board. If you're on multiple platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you have different pictures as your main avatar, then your marketing isn't consistent. For me, it should have the same information about your bio, the same picture across all platforms. So there's consistency with it. And that shows that you're on top of things. You have a consistent brand and it makes sense. But that's just me. Everybody does things differently. So to optimize agents reach through a digital footprint what you do is you like we said earlier you're authentic and you're yourself and all that's great but if all of your marketing is all over the place it really won't work so you know you can go on tons of websites that talk about social engagement as a real estate agent and for here it states you know you begin with a checklist that evaluates each agent's website as your website ends up being your digital calling card. So no matter what website platform you use, it needs to be simple, professional, concise, and based on what's going on in the rest of the digital environment. You can't have a 1990s website in 2021. People know it instantly. 
if it looks like it was on America Online, it's not going to work. Um, so these this specific uh, story, it states that their team uses Boomtown for individual websites, and the overall goal being to uh, make sure that the back end is set up so that agents look good from the front end. You need to have an updated headshot, a professional bio, verify that your media accounts are linked to your website. So you're pretty much trying to make it simple for the consumer to find out who you are and what you're about. So it states that often agents often ask whether they should have a personal page or a business page. And their answer is you need both. And the best agents, in their opinion, blend the two so they're natural. There's natural overlap. Me personally, when it comes to Facebook, I have my because you have to have a personal page to set up Facebook anyway. You can't just set up a business page without having an actual Facebook page. Your business pages have to emanate from your main Facebook hub. So you can't open up a business page if you don't have a Facebook page to begin with. So you're going to end up having both. Unless, you know, I'm wrong. I don't think you can have a Facebook business page without having an actual Facebook profile. So if anybody wants to shoot me something on on uh, social media... Uh, email, text, whatever the case is, uh, let me know. But I don't think you can open up a Facebook business page without having an actual Facebook page. But I have both. So for everything that I uh, get into with my podcast, I have a, uh, a health and wellness foundation that I founded. I have a Facebook page for that. I have a Facebook page for my podcast network. I have a Facebook page for this podcast. So... You know, whatever works for you, works for you. But it needs to be consistent. And if you're going to do it, do it. Don't just open the page and then ghost it. Now you add your brokerage, your company website, update your headshot, you know, education, where you grew up, all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, you never know where somebody grew up or where they went to school or who they're friends with. So your school might end up being something that a client knows about or went to or knew the principal or you know, and when people have things in common, that's what can get you to business. Um, now, these are just additional ways for people to find common connections or a common thread. So you can share your business page info on your personal page, but never let the professional dominate the personal. So in other words, when you have your business information on that page, you know, you can share some to your personal page. Hey, guys, this is what I'm doing over here this weekend. I got this open house over here. I got that over there. But you don't want to flood. Um, you don't want the professional to dominate the personal. You know what I mean? So you could put it up there, but you don't want to put it all the time because people are going to get sick of it. Like you're coming around selling something. Like they see you going around the corner with the, with the Girl Scout cookies because they know it's Girl Scout cookie time and everybody going around. So, you know, don't do that. <laughs> Now, that's just on Facebook. Now, for Instagram, you can also have a creator account other than a personal account. So that just gives you access to music and other editing options that the regular page doesn't give you. So you can use that. I use it as well. Um, Linktree, that's fantastic for links. Um, it gives you the ability to connect your audience to all of your content in one place. So if you have multiple links, multiple social media, multiple this, multiple that, you don't have to have all of these hundreds of links. You just have this one page with all your links on it, with one link, access all those links. So I use Linktree. It's on my Instagram. If you check it out, 
Tile of Alliance Estates. It works really, really well. It keeps your bio clean and it gives your followers um, that are interested a way to learn more about you. Now, the, the content on that should be a little mix of business and personal stories, things like that. Now, these posts stay on your content page and they'll see it when they check back your page. So that works very well. Linktree is perfect for links. Now, LinkedIn is a hard nut to crack because it's really uh, people looking for jobs or more of the corporate business kind of feel to it. Um, so that's like another, that's like a professional Facebook. Now you can connect with other agents and other clients. And the last couple of years has been more content driven. So if you want to do that, or why is my dog snoring? Hold on, Cooper, stop snoring. Yeah, I have a big 50 pound uh, <clears throat> dog. It's called a black mouth cur. And he's sitting here dead asleep and ruining my podcast because you're snoring, dog. Wake up, dog. Unless you're going to be on the podcast. But I digress. Um, so the bottom line here is anything that you're going to do on social media, it needs to be consistent, concise, to the point, and done right. So if you're going to do it, pay attention to it, do it well. Uh, you know, go into some research. Research what works on Instagram today. Research what works on Facebook and Twitter and whatever social media you use. Do the research to find out, like, how it works for you in today's climate. Not last year, not 10 years ago. What's going on today? Because trends change quick. And you need to be uh, ahead of the game if you're going to play in the game. So let's see. I think that might be all the news that's fit to print for this specific um, episode. Let me just peruse here through Inman and see if we missed anything that is extra special. Well, no, I think we've hit everything that we need to hit. And what we will do is we will now end this episode. I think you've got enough information that can hold you down to next week's episode which will be next Monday. So I just want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Uh, if there's something that interested you, by all means, get at me on social media, Kevin Tolliver Lyons, Tolliver Lyons Estates. And uh, we'll chop it up. And if there's anybody out there in the real estate world that would like to be a guest, by all means, get at me on Instagram where everybody else gets at me. And, uh, yeah, we're just having fun on this podcast, talking real estate and the things that, that go on in this industry. So once again, I'm your host. My name is Kevin Tolliver Lyons, or as they call me, Sir Kevington. And we will see you back here next Monday on the South Florida Real Estate Edition podcast on the Welcome to the Good Life Podcast Network. See you next week, everybody.